This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode 204. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. On bonus episode 204, we are counting down ladies and gents. We are finally concluding our mini reviews on the 31 of October. Now originally advertised for this episode, we were going to be doing a little run on movies number 21 through to 31. However, I've decided to dedicate an entire episode to movie number 31. So, that'll feature on the upcoming bonus episode dropping in the next two weeks, where I will be joined by, uh, as a, well, as it stands just now, unbooked guest, but I won't be alone on that one. We'll go into a bit more of a kind of detailed review. So that movie will be Hagazooza, so you've got like two weeks to get that one watched and get yourself ready to sit down and go through the review with us. So it will be another 10 mini reviews in this episode, um, movies number 21 through to 30. So strap yourself in. Um, in terms of what's coming up this week, loads. <laughs> I mean, we've managed to... I keep saying I'm going to ramp things back and then more shit happens. Uh, tomorrow you will get Movie Club. Announcement for what will be our Challenge Teapots November 2019, our second last Asian horror movie of the series. And it's one that a lot of people are now guessing right. I've had a couple of messages, at least three emails uh, from people saying, is it this movie? Yes, it is, which means I look forward to hearing a plethora of reviews coming in. On Saturday, you're getting a bonus review for Doctor Sleep. And then on Sunday, we are doing the next instalment, episode number six of the Arrow Video Assortment. As we look at Abel Ferrara's Driller Killer. A little video nasty for all y'all out there. And that will take us through Monday, where we will restart this whole fucking week again. It just keeps going and going and going. And to be honest, ladies and gents, I wouldn't have it any other way. Right, let's take a very short break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're then going to hear the trailer for the first movie we'll be covering as part of this roundup of the final movies from my 31 of October. It's time to do a little bit of Joe Begos and Bliss right after this. Hey everybody, this is Tim Dorn. My name is Gareth Evans. Hi, I'm Nacho Vigalondo, director of Time Crimes and Open Windows. Hey, this is Graham Skipper. Hola, soy Macarena Gomez. Hello, this is number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler. Yo, monkeys, it's me, D-D-P. And you are listening to The Little Pod of Horrors. Which, as you know, is the best damn idea since premarital sex on Halloween. Jason Voorhees! It'll 
make you come hard. And that's not a bad thing. That monkey is a good thing. BAM! You can find The Little Pot of Horrors on simplysyndicated.com and on iTunes. Nikki's pushing me to drop your pieces. I'm going broke. I can't live off of nothing. And I can't live off 10% of nothing. I haven't finished painting in three months. Try this. It's the closest thing they got to a pure, uncut mix of cocaine and DMT. Welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for our first movie that we're going to be covering as part of this uh, conclusion on my 31 of October. This one was added to the list. I wasn't originally on it, but managed to procure myself a little screener copy and was very excited to sit down and check out the brand new movie by Joe Bigos, Bliss. You've just heard the trailer for it. Now, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Joe Bagos. In fact, he was on the show, what, two and a half, maybe three years ago, promoting his previous movie, The Mind's Eye, which, once again, was a movie that I really enjoyed. Um, he did a movie before that called Almost Human, which I also really enjoyed. I like his kind of indie sensibilities and his love of 80s kind of body horror, particularly nods to Carpenter and Cronenberg. So I was interested to hear this one, a bit of buzz about it, because he disappeared off the map for a while and it was um, not clear whether or not he was actually going to be coming back to do a movie. Truth be told, he's got two out this year uh, and this is the first of the two. Um, yeah, all I knew was it was modern day and it was a vampire movie and it was bathed in neon light and that was enough to get me in. Um, I think Bliss is... Uh, well, before we even get to that, I'm saying I think Bliss is, but let's give you some information. Some shameful, ladies and gents, on Bliss the movie, which, like I say, came out this year. According to IMDb, it says the following, that the movie is directed and written by Joe Bigos. It stars uh, Dora Madsen, 
Drew Collins, Rice Wakefield, Jeremy Gardner, that's right, we love you Jeremy Gardner, Graham Skipper, that's right, we love you Graham Skipper, uh, Chris McKenna, Rachel Avery, Mark Beltzman, uh, George Went is in this one, which was a surprise bit of casting that almost gave me whiplash. Uh, Jesse Merlin's in this one, Matt Mercer, other folks as well. Synopsis for this one is A brilliant painter facing the worst creative block of her life turns to anything she can to complete her masterpiece, spiraling into a hallucinatory hellscape of drugs, sex, and murder in the sleazy underbelly of Los Angeles. I fucking adore Bliss. Bliss is up there, like legit, for me. It's, this is, you know, a top five contender for the year, for sure. Um, it is such a weird sensation watching the movie. Um, I've described it as, imagine going to the most intense night of music you've ever been to, and then you wake up in the morning with that kind of fuzzy brain, that brain that kind of feels hungover, yet you've not touched a lick of alcohol. That's bliss. And um, when it finishes, when it finishes, you kind of feel a little bit shell shocked, in the best possible way. Um, it certainly odes uh, more than just a nod to things like Near Dark for sure. Um, certain shots actually recreate imagery of Near Dark, but instead of doing it against a uh, you know, a background of kind of, uh, of desert, and um, you're getting these neon kind of bathed uh, outlines of, of buildings in Los Angeles. The casting is on point. Jeremy Gardner, I'll watch him in fucking everything, but the the central uh, lead performance by Donna Madsen um, and uh, True Collins. In fact, all the women character, Rachel Avery as well, are all really good. This is a like a powerful female um, movie in terms of the casting. The males in this movie actually play more of a kind of supporting role to what's going on here. And I mean, a, a part of that makes me think, you know, with with the politique, so to speak, of uh, recent. <laughs> Our genre seems to be more embracing of things like Me Too, etc., than other places, other genres, um, and I've seen a lot of very powerful female lead characters, um, and that does not change here. Uh, our lead performer is is pretty incredible, and this movie is full of practical effects. It's got incredible punk music, goth music, industrial music. It is... It is bathed in neon. It really is. Neon lights are absolutely everywhere. I love the idea of struggling artists. This idea of kind of almost on some level like a writer's block, but in the case of this one, painter's block. And the extents that people will put themselves through extraordinary circumstances in order to find the creative spark or muse that will trigger whatever it is that they, they feel is their magnum opus. Um, this movie delivers in spades. It is short. I mean, this movie is in and out in an hour and 20 minutes, and that is a movie you can sit right through. Uh, Joe Begos, once again, has not only returned to form, but I feel like he just like drove a fucking steamroller right through it, uh, leaving everything in its wake flattened, because that's how I felt at the end of it. I just felt absolutely fucking spent. And yeah, he has delivered great things on this. I genuinely think Bliss is one of the best horror movies I have seen this year. Hands fucking 
down. And once again, it's just another kind of twist or another kind of retelling of kind of vampires in a movie setting, which to me just breathes energy and life into it. Uh, it was it, it was kind of phenomenal, uh, and I was I, I was not prepared for the hallucinatory experience I I went through watching the movie. In terms of what I will give this movie, it's a perfect five out of five on the old Netflix scale. What I wrote on Letterboxd was, this movie is my motherfucking jam. Joe Begos has always been a favourite director of men commending the sci-fi, aesthetics and sensibilities of the decade of my birth, the 80s FYI, and the body horror trappings of Cronenberg. Just when he thought he had gone to pastures, it had been many years since The Rad Mind's Eye, he's only gone and returned with a movie that blew me away. A whole unique take on punk and vampires in a world of neon, goths and blood. This orgy of gore and art is up there as one of the best horror movies I've seen this year. So there you go peeps, go and check out Bliss, consume and let me know what you made of it. It is a strong contender for the top five this year. So get yourself ready uh, for that end of year list. May contain bliss somewhere near the top. Um, yeah, that's all. That's all I have to say about that. And uh, let's swing out to the next movie. So you're now going to hear the trailer for our next one, which is Imata Negra. It's a Brazilian movie which translates to the Black Forest, and I will be reviewing it right after this. Ninguém sabe quando vai morrer. Pode acreditar, eu sei. Tem uma missa nesse livro. Se for lida durante toda a noite, até o nascer do sol, minha alma será salva. Depois queima o livro. Não leia mais nada. Queima! Temos uma invocadora de demônios, uma adoradora do coisa ruim, irmãos, uma bruxa. Eu achei a senhora. Eu tô indo embora daqui para nunca mais voltar. Você quer ir comigo? Os filhos dos homens retiram o sangue. Eu acho que não era um rato não, Zé. E fétido dos jardins da tua morada. Ai, demônio! Ofereço-te a pureza imaculada. Que o poder do oculto se manifeste através do sangue. Tira isso daqui, pelo amor de Deus. Ela que trouxe o demônio. Pega ela, irmãos! Pega e vá! Me dê o que eu quero e volte para o mundo de onde veio! And you've just heard the trailer for our second movie review. This one is Amata Negra. And this one is available in the States. It's not available in the UK at the moment. It translates to The Black Forest, although I believe its original title is El Bosque Negro. Uh, it's written and directed by, and we're going to struggle with this one because it is Brazilian, uh, Rodrigo Ar. Gale, I think is how you pronounce that, probably isn't, but there we go. Uh, stars Elbert Merlin, Jackson Antunes, Carol Arego, uh, Francesco Gaspar, Marcus Conca, uh, and Clarissa Pinheiro. 
The synopsis for this one as listed on the IMDb is in this mystical horror tale, a young woman uncovers the lost book of Kipenrero, an ancient tome with the power for both wealth and pure evil. Um, so yeah, this one was recommended off Tim Walker. Actually, the back end of this list, a lot of the movies here are movies that have been flagged up specifically by listeners, and even more specifically, Tim flagged up a good two or three of these for my attention. This is me getting around to watching them. It was a kind of late addition to the list. Um, also managed to get this one Sadly, I will admit something I don't like admitting. This one was a acquisition online sailing the seas, if you know what I mean, the high seas uh, is out there. Although I would say if you get an opportunity to buy a copy, buy it because I will be. Um, Tim had sold this one to me as it's being compared to The Evil Dead and my eyes rolled a little bit because I, I genuinely think The Evil Dead is great for what it is but there's a time and a place for it. People that try and replicate it focus on the practical effects and don't focus on the things that make Evil Dead work really well, which is some of that wickedly dark humour and at times sense of despair and horror. Um, Black Forest, I can see why they compare it to the Evil Dead because the last 30 minutes are absolutely fucking bonkers. I mean, like, it is worth watching this movie for the last half an hour. And it's not a long movie either. It clocks in about an hour and a half if you take credits off. Um... It is wonderfully acted. It has that fairy tale esque sort of aesthetic that we get from South American cinema. Um, and like I say, performances are really good. Practical effects are excellent in this movie. And it kind of follows like this journey of this girl uh, with this book, which not only let me see grants wealth, but like this evil power which she starts to allow to consume her. Uh, and will maybe or maybe not bring up, bring forth to the planet some sort of vengeful demon. Um, it's fucking rad. It's really, 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 really good. Uh, I, I kind of, I'll be honest, the first half an hour I was like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And I felt it was maybe a bit slow, but it's all setting up the scene for what you get afterwards. And from about the half, half an hour mark, things certainly start picking up pace. You get some really cool deaths. Uh, some cool setups and makeup as well, specifically on kind of resurrections, so to speak. And then, like like I say, it builds up to that last glorious half an hour where things get crazy as fuck. And the movie finishes in such a way that made me want to stand up and applaud. Uh, and also, without giving away any spoilers, opens the door to maybe a potential sequel. And if they want to franchise this, I would watch it in a fucking heartbeat. Uh, I had a ton of fun with The Black Forest, a.k.a. Imata Negra. Um, on my letterboxd, I gave it a 4.5 out of 5. I'm sticking with that. really enjoyed this one. I said on that review that it's a wonderful movie. It lulls you into a false sense of being a very by-the-book spiritual South American horror movie and rants up the lunacy and demonic themes up to the incredible levels in the last 20 minutes. This could easily be franchisable and I can see why it's garnered comparisons to The Evil Dead. So 4.5 out of 5 for The Black Forest. When you get your hands on it, please watch it. If you're in the States, I believe it is on Prime. So go and check out A Mata Negra, a.k.a. The Black Forest. Uh, put it on your list because trust me, you will enjoy. 
Right, so let's swing it out to the next review, ladies and gents. Because, like I say, I changed my list up. And that back end was all full of weird sort of shit and art house and form movies. And this is one that's been on my list forever. Uh, we are finally getting to talk about November, which was finally released on Blu-ray in the UK this year by Eureka. It is a little Polish, I want to say Polish movie. And uh, we will be discussing it right after its trailer, right after this. Hiilista sauna, et vaadata, mida nad surnud seal teevad. Kõik saunauksel lahti ja mis ta nägi. Inimkõrgused kanad pihtlased. Krätile hinge osta. Vaata, Luise. Ma tõin sulle küll agusti. Miks see niimoodi haidiseb? See on sit. Kristuse ehu ja veri. Midagi olema või veel parem? Keegi? Mul on keegi. So you've just heard the trailer for November. Let's get into this one. This one is Art House AF. So this ain't for everyone, and I'd really stress this if you're not into kind of. Grimm's fairy tales, kind of really surrealist art house horror, I would say definitely, but it's, it has it has a specific vibe to it, a very European vibe mixed with kind of crazy Lynchian imagery, that if you're not into that, I mean there is definitely elements of the Twin Peaks in here, if you don't like any of what I've just said, avoid this movie like the fucking plague because you're not going to like it. Uh, I want to just confirm that I believe the movie is Estonian and not Polish, like I said before the break. According to IMDb, that's what it says. Anyway, uh, it was officially in 2017, but like I say, it made its way to festivals last year, and I believe the States last year, but finally made its way to the UK this year. So I'm very happy about that one. I've owned this since it came out months ago and held off specifically for my viewing this time. So it is based on the Andreas Kvac, 
Once again, I apologise for my horrible pronunciations. Novel, uh, adapted by Rainier Sarnet, who is also the director. Uh, there's loads of people in here, loads and loads and loads and loads of people. Uh, probably the biggest name is Dieter Laser. Uh, him from the Centipede movies, the Human Centipede movies. I know him more for Lex, which I loved deeply uh, for all my sins. I'm a, a still a massive Lex fan, but there we go. Uh, the synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb as In a poor Estonian village, a group of peasants use magic and folk remedies to survive the winter and a young woman tries to get a young man to love her. It's very difficult to speak about November, to be honest with you. A lot of it is abstract, a lot of it is imagery. Uh, but what they do on the screen is kind of incredible. Uh, it reminded me at times of like owing a lot to kind of at times German expressionism the way the composition of the shots is all in black and white but also owes a lot to David Lynch specifically the kind of world of Twin Peaks and the way they just are doing things I mean like for example uh, farm tools are sentient um, which is weird but that's and it's also a sentence I never thought I would say but I'm saying it here um, so there's that aspect but at the same time on top of that you have these wonderfully strange performances, like at times almost over the top, at times gothic, at times like like I say, right out of a Grimm's fairy tale. Um, it, I mean, this movie is you get. I got lost in it. I got lost, not lost as in didn't know what was happening. Although I'll be honest with you, I have my my feelings as to what's happening in the movie. That might not be right, um, but I mean, I got absorbed by the world. Um, it really does pull you in if you're that way inclined and I always have to put that caveat here I feel that sometimes because I love specific styles of cinema I speak about them highly and then people that wouldn't necessarily venture into those waters watch the movie and then come back and tell me that the movie's shit uh, so I'm going to try precursor these things by saying that this is not an entry-level art house movie. This is for intermediates to experts, so you would build yourself into this one. You wouldn't just jump in with both feet first time. Ain't gonna happen, and don't do that. Never do that. Uh, so yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought this movie was kind of wonderful, if I'm honest. Um, weirdly hypnotic in parts, but wholly absorbing. Love the setup. The cinematography is insane in this one. Uh, considering that it's monochrome, essentially, for, for the, the movies, all black and white. Um, the textures and the feel. Uh, this is one that I actually felt, I, I got a hoodie to wear when I was watching because I felt cold watching just because of what I could see on the screen. Uh, yeah, this one's a thumping good one. There's not much more I can say about it without, I mean, this is one that I dare say will, will happen on Andy Loves Art House. I've already kind of penciled it in and we'll see what Andy makes of it. No doubt he'll hate it, but I don't care because <laughs> it's my show but I dare say on that review we will get more and more into it so you'll hear us speak more about it at that point but uh, suffice to say when it comes to November I rated this one also a 4.5 out of 5 I said I adored this movie part Lynch, part Del Toro uh, part Dreyer with hints of expressionism this beautiful folk fairy tale was everything I was hoping for and so much more Focus much more on the style rather than the substance. At times I was completely absorbed for its almost two hours run length. We'll definitely watch this again. So there we go. That was November. 
Uh, a movie that, like I say, I thought was kind of fucking amazing, uh, but definitely not for everyone, and I'm not saying that to be smug. Let's move to the next one, which is a, a movie called Fugue, uh, or Fuga, if you are in Poland, it's native country. Uh, this is the follow-up movie from the Polish director who did The Lure a couple of years ago, which is now in Criterion. Uh, the Lure is the kind of 80s-inspired musical killer mermaid movie. Once again, a lot of words I never thought I was string together. It's a movie I deeply loved and I've been looking forward to this one for quite some time. i got a screener for this as well. Uh, I will say before we kick into it, this one is not a horror movie. I was misled, but that does not for one second mean I did not enjoy this movie, which you'll hear after its trailer right after this. Welcome back. So that was the trailer for Fugue, aka Fuga, from once again, do I say Poland? According to IMDb, it says Czech Republic, but I'm sure this is Polish. It's directed by Angieska Smuzieska, which once again I think is once, well, I say once again a lot because I have to keep reiterating that I'm Scottish. Uh, and as a result, I've been born with a mouth that does not allow me <laughs> to do uh, names with so many consonants <laughs> side by side. It's just not done. It's just not right. It's just not cricket. Um, I don't know where... Let's, well, let's get into this first. So, the cast in this movie, we've got Gabriela Muscala, uh, Lucas Simlet... Uh, and loads of other, fuck this, right, let's just jump into doing the synopsis. Synopsis for this one is, uh, Alicia suffers from memory loss and has rebuilt her own free-spirited way of life. Two years later, she returns to her former family to assume against her will the role as wife, mother and daughter. Her estranged husband and son do not recognise this woman who looks familiar and yet behaves like a stranger. 
Feelings of alienation, love and revelations rekindle her interior flame. Um, yes, yeah, so this is not a horror movie. If anything, it's more kind of thriller drama. Um, and I'm not saying that as in like some people could see this movie as being... No, this one, there are, there are no horror elements at all. Um, what it does really well is kind of build the formation of love and loss and tragedy and renewal and feelings of entrapment all kind of bottled up in this very minimalist cast and really underpinned by a hugely powerful central um, female performance in the lead. I think what you get is a, a mystery which at its end does not necessarily feel overtly satisfying but feels wholly real. Uh, I think this, on a lot of levels, feels very grounded in reality, whilst like the journey that you go through, you start to assume as the audience things are far more complicated than they actually are. And I appreciate that because juggling those sort of things and not going for the most ostentatious, absurd ending, which a lot of these movies handled by different directors would go for, the Hollywood ending, so to speak. This one really kind of knuckles down and, and tries to feel true to where the characters are coming from. Um, it's a great movie. Once again, she is a phenomenal director. I, I think The Lure is a, a damn near perfect movie. And I think Fugue is right there with it. I thought it was, I thought it was a, a great watch. Very bleak, very sombre. Once again, not particularly long either. This one kind of clocks in once again about the uh, what about an hour and forty. Um, so all the movies in this list thus far have been about an hour and a half, an hour and forty minutes, which is kind of where I was aiming for the the final run through. I didn't really want to be dealing with two hour plus movies, um, although there are a couple in here. Uh, Fugue, I think, is just great. I I genuinely think when it becomes widely available, people should check it if you're looking for something really well put together and that exists in this world of a kind of drama thriller for sure. Uh, the mystery doesn't necessarily yield the rewards that you might want in terms of twists and turns and how your imagination will play things out, but it did feel wholly grounded in reality and that kind of makes it feel a bit more brutal and a bit colder than it would if it had all the glosses sheen and the glitter of, of a Hollywood production. And that's all I really have to say about that one. When it comes to the grade that I gave it on Letterboxd, I gave this one a 4 out of 5. Uh, I said, wasn't sure what to expect from this movie as the director's previous effort, The Lure, was jaw-dropping in its vision and boldness. Fuga is a great tale of sadness and mystery and family drama, excellently um, delivered after um, its bleak use of colour and tone. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. You should check it out if you get a chance. No idea when it's making its way out there, but I got a screener for it, which makes me think you shouldn't be that far away from it. For sending screeners out, it tends to be a good indication that things are forthcoming. I will definitely own this one when it is released, and hopefully Criterion puts this out. I'd like to see Criterion just stick with this director and continually put this stuff out because her eye is absolutely incredible. Right, are we ready for this? I know this one is going to garner a bit of attention, so I might as well just get to it. You're going to hear the trailer for the new Rob Zombie outing, Three From Hell. When we come back, we are doing a fairly non-spoilery mini-review of said movie right after this. The search for the fugitives known as the Devil's Rejects resulted in a violent clash with police. 
chance for survival are less than a million to one. There's no justice in this world. I am justice. They're trying to blame us, but we didn't do it. Free the three. 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 <laughs> Now we can have a real day of the dead. <laughs> Made of ass words. Oh, I still want a party. I'm just a clown dancing for the sins of mankind. Did I just go? is my death factory. You are the product. I love it. Let's just get into this. So you just heard the trailer for Three From Hell. So this is the new part in the what was maybe always planned to be a trilogy. I don't think it was, but this is the next instalment in the Firefly Family Saga by Rob Zombie. Follow up to the actually kind of incredible Devil's Rejects. Uh, the first instalment was House of a Thousand Corpses, which my thoughts are clear on that one. I think it's a interesting idea, albeit can execute like a music video. Um, so yeah, the this one uh, can all come together pretty quick, and in light of the loss of Sid Haig recently, has a bit of poignance to it. This is the last movie that he made, and it's very clear when filming this, the man was very ill at the time. So let's do the IMDb for Three From Hell. It is written and directed by Rob Zombie. The movie stars Sherry Moon Zombie, Bill Mosley, Sid Haig, Jeff Daniels Phillips, Richard Bright, Kevin Jackson, Tracy Lee, uh, Sylvia Jeffries, Pancho Moller, Richard Edson, Emilio Rivera, Dee Wallace, Annie Rosario, and there are some other folks in here. Uh, there is a kind of slight cameo from Danny Trejo and other folks. There are other folks in here. Synopsis for this one, I love this. Maybe my favourite synopsis ever. On IMDb it just says, sequel to The Devil's Rejects. And that's really all you need to know about this one. So, uh, how do I approach this one without sounding like a complete dick? Um, 31 is a bad movie, right? 31 is a... I think even if you're a Rob Zombie apologist, 31 is a bad movie. Um, it's just not very well constructed. The dialogue is awful. The story is tawdry. And it, it did genuinely make me question if Rob Zombie had another movie in him, to be honest, because it was, it was like a, a collage of everything I don't like about Rob Zombie movies. And then Three for Hell was announced, and I was like, well, you know what? Devil's Rejects is, in my opinion, his best movie by a country fucking mile. 
that if he's returning with those characters and he's going to do something along the lines of the Devil's Reject, I am in, I want to see what that looks like. And Three From Hell is really a tale of two kind of halves. The first half of the movie is damn near unwatchable in that it is, it honestly feels like an amateur is behind the camera and we'll get into that a bit more. The second half of the movie is what I wish the whole movie was. Uh, a kind of fun, more action-y sort of horror movie-ish. Um, and it's, it's it finds its stride and its humour a lot better and as a result of that it's actually quite enjoyable to watch. Let's swing to the first half though and the cacophony of, of clusterfuckery uh, which it, it delivers in that I like the idea of the setup of them being arrested. I like the play into Charles Manson, specifically the reusing of his dialogue uh, from from that time period. I think that's all quite cool. I love the kind of inversion of the insanity moving away from the one you would think it would be, which is Otis and rather downward baby who becomes the Manson-esque sort of character in this one and very well at the same time. I think she, she does that really well in her delivery there albeit she becomes incredibly shrill and incredibly annoying which is just the curse of Sherry Moon Zombie I'm afraid and Rob Zombie's married to her and she will always be front and centre in all these movies and you just have to suck it up and deal with it where the kind of what the fuck are we doing here happens is the baffling use of flashbacks in the first half of this movie which he very quickly drops in the second half so I don't know what the fuck is going on with this, but Rob Zombie doesn't understand what a flashback is supposed to be used for. A flashback is supposed to give you further information, not only give you that further information, but identify or give detail as to why a character has done something or how they got to a place by either filling in vitally needed uh, information or subvert your expectations by giving you an uh, alternative to what you think might have happened, thus changing the uh, the ground to which you stand on the, the information you've gathered, right? Uh, that is not what Rob Zombie uses it for. Rob Zombie uses it in the most baffling of ways. So a character arrives, well, we see a character in a house and they murder someone. Cut to us doing a flashback to that character pulling up in a car and then going in the house and then we see that scene play out. So, right, I'm right, that character arrived in a car. Um, cut to the car, like a flashback to the car pulling in the character getting out of the car. So it's like I've gathered that this character probably did have to get a car to get to this house. So I don't need to see that in my flashback, but I'll let you off with that one. Do I need to see the car pull into a driveway? No. There's no extra dialogue given or anything. It's just really bad filmmaking. Like, really bad filmmaking. And he uses it in about three different scenes here. One in a, how a character ended up to be in a prison fight scene. And another into how a character ended up killing other people. Um, he drops it in the second half of this movie, which he needs to because it, it baffled me. I watched it with my wife and she actually said that at one point she turned around and she couldn't believe how slack-jawed I was and just the ineptitude. I don't I don't understand it because the second half of the movie clearly proves that Rob Zombie can make a movie. Um, I don't understand that. I would love to hear his, his explanation for it. Um, 
There's a lot of kind of bad dialogue in the first half of the movie as well, and I'm saying bad dialogue by Rob Zombie standards. It kind of felt like he was trying to invoke his inner Tarantino and it just really wasn't working at all. Uh, I think Richard Brake is a great addition to the cast. I thought he was very fun, uh, very violent, weird picks in a way that I, I quite enjoyed and he's a worthy successor to Sid Haig. It was great to see him in his last scene in the movie, still delivering kind of an ominous, playful line. Uh, music choice in it is really good. Uh, cinematography... The movie still feels inherently like a 70s movie, even though it's supposed to be set in the 80s. I'm not quite sure what was going on there, but once again, we'll let Rob Zombie off. Uh, use of practical gore was good in parts. Uh, there is a bit of CGI gore in here, which is cringe-worthy. Um, and yet, overall, Three From Hell is a completely disposable movie, which I think is marginally better than House of a Thousand Corpses, but still nowhere near a patch on his great outing in the horror which is The Devil's Rejects which remains in my opinion his best movie by like I said earlier a country fucking mile um, so what did I give it on Letterboxd I gave it a two and a half out of five I said the first half of this movie honestly made me question whether or not Rob Zombie has lost the ability to make a movie uh, the continue, continuous use and baffling use of flashbacks shows the lack of editing, maturity of storytelling. Break is pretty good. Uh, and, uh, addition to the cast, while mostly, is still the most interesting of all the villains. The less said about Sherryman Zombie, the better. Second half of the movie is much better, but still pales in comparison to The Devil's Rejects. Two and a half out of five for the Devil's Rejects. Yeah, a bit of a disappointment, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do I want to see another telling of this? Probably not. I think we can put this to bed now. Do I think he'll make one? Yes, I do. So, strap yourself in. I get a feeling we're going to be doing one of these somewhere down the line. Right, let's move on here. Uh, this was one that was recommended to me by Tim Walker a while ago. Um, you're going to hear the trailer for The Golem, and we'll return to talk about it right after this. You're a woman, a giver of life. God has assigned you a calling and you're refusing it. inside the book of creation and create ourselves a golem and the man form in mud shall be engulfed in living fire let there be life what have you done i've created a golem it is a heartless monster and we must take it back from whence it came before it is too late boy saved me. He took on a handful of men with his bare hands. That is not a real boy. Golem is connected to its creator. A golem can evolve. Merciful, ruthful lord, we beseech thee. 
save this ailing child, send the heavenly cure, and all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord. Amen. 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 Besides prayer, there are other things which can be done. A little boy. There's no evil in him. Okay, right, let's do this. This is The Gollum. Uh, came out last year in the States, came out this year in the UK. This has been put by, I want to say it's Dread Central, is uh, the kind of web horror zine who moved into making movies. Um, yeah, uh, details on IMDb for this one. It's directed and, uh, well, written by Ariel Cohn, but directed by um, the Pazes, that's Dor Paz and Yovaz Paz. They did that Jerusalem movie uh, a couple of years ago, did quite well. Um, this one has a cast of people whose names I will struggle with. I do apologise. Hanny Frustenberg. Ishan Golan, uh, Kriril Kriril-Yogolov, holy shit, uh, Bryony Frustenberg, Lenny Ravitz, uh, Adi Kvetner, and yeah, we're stopping there. Synopsis for this one is, during an outbreak of a deadly plaguey, mystical woman must save her tight-knit Jewish community from foreign invaders, but the entity she conjures to project them is far greater. Evil. So, um, I really wanted to like this movie. I really, really, really did. And I did to a lot of... Well, for all intents and purposes, I did. But in hindsight, the more I've thought about it, the more I actually would downgrade the grade that I've given it. Not out of spite of anything, but I, I just feel that it maybe wasn't as good as I was... Even when I was watching it, I felt like this movie should be doing more and it, it really wasn't. I think the acting is of a really good calibre. I think the 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 actual mythology itself of a golem is really cool. I like that. I think it delivered some pretty incredible scenes at the start of the movie. I think where the movie kind of falls over is it is a very paint-by-numbers story overall. You've seen this sort of story used about a million times. Uh, I think of a, a kind of more recent one being something like Piwacket. Um, although Piwacket was fucking awesome. This idea of conjuring something to to rot vengeance only to not be able to control the thing that you have released and realise that its power is, is far greater than you could have ever imagined. Well, this movie really falls down is the CGI is, I mean, it looks bad now and I think it will look worse two years removed from now. And it's not as if they're just using it every now and again. This movie tries to garner a scope which is huge where I think what it should be doing is really doing an insular sort of movie. Like, really contain it but when things start going apocalyptic in this movie, which it does, it just kept pulling me out of it. Like, the more the movie went on, the less I could connect with the characters and the less I could connect with what was actually happening. I actually even found myself at points wondering who I was supposed to be rooting for. Because uh, as bad as these characters are that are coming in to destroy the village, um, the woman that conjures the golem at all I don't think is even necessarily a sympathetic character, which led me to believe that maybe none of the characters 
were sympathetic and maybe I should be written for the, the child demon. Um, I wasn't sure and it, it never felt like it cleared up anything and as a result of that I just I kind of fell out of interest with the movie. It's not particularly long either, it's about an hour and a half and after about 20 minutes I realised that I was very aware that I was checking my watch and checking my phone and yeah, I mean on a, on a macro scale for this sort of movie, less CGI, focusing down on a smaller tight-knit group and maybe even just a family itself, I think something like The Golem would work a hundred times better. I think it is trying to be a much bigger movie than its budget allows it to be and as a result it seems show quite evidently. All I have to say about it is a very nuts and bolts horror movie. Um, I know some people that enjoy it a lot more than I did, sadly. I'm just not there with you folks. I will stick with the grade I gave it, which is a 3. I think realistically it's maybe a 2.5. Uh, but 3 is what I gave on Letterboxd. And I wrote, I quite, uh, I like quite a lot of this movie and what it did. The acting is of a pretty high calibre. The story itself is straightforward and effective. The movie really falls apart. It falls on its sword and falls apart uh, with some of its effects, which are, which are pretty bad CGI, which unfortunately kept pulling me further and further out of the movie the longer it went on. That is The Golem. It got a three, like I say, realistic, maybe two and a half out of five, if I'm being honest. But that's all I have to say about that movie. It was a, a, a slight blip, one that was rectified very quickly. Uh, the next couple of movies I'm going to speak very highly of, and we're going to kick it off right after you hear the trailer for the, the upcoming one, which is Luz. We're going to be discussing it right after this. So in stark contrast to the previous review where I'm like that, in hindsight I would score down, in hindsight I would score this one up and I will tell you why and my justifications. So you've just did the trailer for Lutz, um, this one released 2018 but came out over here 2019, hence why it's on my list. This is a short, short movie, it's an hour and ten minutes long, written and directed by Tillman Singer. Uh, the movie itself is German, stars Liana Wales, Johannes Benek, uh, Jan Bluthart, Lily Lorenz, Julia Riddler and Nadja Stubiger. I think I say pronounce that, probably isn't, but we'll get through this together folks, just hold on. Synopsis is Lutz, a young cat driver, drags herself into a brightly lit entrance of a run-down police station. A demonic entity follows her, determined to finally be close to the woman it loves. Um, I have not seen a movie like Lutz before. I think it is wholly unique. Um, 
its central premise of possession is not something that's wholly unique, but its delivery is kind of phenomenal. I could see this movie working really well as a kind of stage play, as that minimalist feel of a stage play. Uh, would translate very well. It would not surprise me if that is where it started and it made its way over here. It's filmed incredibly well. The acting is of a very high calibre. The score is phenomenal. The cinematography is great. And it doesn't feel like there was a lot of money spent on this project. According to um, the, the internet, it wasn't really. Uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of money flung at this one to deliver it. But what you get from it is, is a lot of, there's, there's shades of Italian horror in here, there's definite shades of that kind of more stark industrial German uh, sort of horror in here as well. Um, it has a transference of a possessional demon in this movie in a way that I've never seen in a movie before and it made me clap with glee. I think it gets in, gets exactly what it needs to do and gets out in such a quick succession that the in fact we're, I was wondering about Rob Zombie's use of flashbacks this movie has expert use of flashbacks used for the right way to do it so Rob watch this movie it will teach you how to use a flashback uh, Lutz is great it really really is I gave it a 4.5 out of 5 um, and in hindsight, I would give it a 5. This is also a top 10 contender for me, for sure. And I will watch it one more time before the year is out to see where it lands. Uh, I don't have anything else to say, but I, I recommend you go and check it out. It's a very quick watch. And even everything I said in this movie doesn't do credit to not only what the movie does, but by God, I love how they stick the landing and do the ending that I did want. And not the one that I imagine, had this been made in America, I would have got... Uh, so yeah, it got a 4.5 out of 5. Realistically, I think that should be a 5. Um, I wrote on Letterboxd, this movie takes so many of my likes in an indie horror cinema movie. Minimalist in its approach, but incredibly inventive and great performances underpin a telling of a well-worn story in a fun and interesting way. A serious top 10 contender in the horror category for me this year. That is Luds, ladies and gents. Oh, did you hear that? And we're going to be moving rapidly on to another movie that I adore. Um, let's uh, let's jump out so you can hear the trailer for Knife Plus Heart. I'm going to be right back to discuss it right after this. Laisse-moi venir chez toi. Anne, say tell me name. J'ai le cœur sac de toi. Vous savez quand on s'oublie avec l'autre, les autres, qu'on s'oublie où on est. Une forme d'amour en quelque sorte. Puissant. Horace. Sans limite. Ça vous est jamais arrivé Votre acteur a été poignardé. Une mort particulièrement violente. Carl venait de tourner dans un de mes films. Quel genre de film exactement Oh, arrêtez votre charme. Faites pas le coup des types qui sont pas renseignés. Super beau mec, tu sais. Vous faites quoi Je suis productrice de films érotiques. La seule chose, c'est que parfois on manque de filles, alors on fait ça entre mecs. Tu appelles moi demain matin Détective Rachid, j'écoute. Je crois que je vais changer le titre du film. Le tueur homo, vous en dites quoi Je me trompe ou tout ça te fait ni chaud ni froid Comme ça, vous n'avez aucune piste. Vous attendez que tous mes acteurs crèvent pour vous mettre au boulot Personne ne veut tourner avec nous, ils sont tous terrifiés. Il y a bien un indice. 
Près des deux premiers cadavres, on a retrouvé des plumes du même oiseau. plus attentive à tes rêves. Ils sont là pour t'aider. C'est cet amour qui est trop pour moi. Ça me rend dingue, tu comprends Okay, okay. So you just heard the trailer for Knife Plus Heart. This one has just come out in the UK just a couple of months ago. I must own this movie. Must own this movie. Um, it's French, and it, it is directed by Jan Gonzalez, uh, based on the screenplay by Jan Gonzalez and Cristiano Magnoni. I think is how you pronounce that. Probably isn't, but. That's what we're going with. The movie stars Vanessa Paradis, uh, Nicholas Moura, uh, Kate Morin, Jonathan Gennett, Felix Marto, uh, Khalid Alouche, Noe Hernandez, some other folks. Let's not spend time on this one. Let's get to the synopsis so I can talk about the movie. Uh, the synopsis is Paris, summer 1979. Anne is a producer of cheap gay porn. When Lois, her editor and companion, leaves her, she attempts to get back to making a more ambitious film with the flamboyant Archibald. I loved this movie. Uh, this is a neo-jallo, even though, uh, you know, some people will be like, it's not Italian, don't fuck off. Uh, I know it's not Italian, but it's a neo-jallo in the same way that something like a mare is a neo-jallo or the strange colour of your body's tears is a, a neo-jallo. This is a neo-jallo. Um, it is beautifully shot. I mean, incredibly shot and it owes a lot to the Italian jallos of the 70s. Uh, there's no other way around it. Um, this movie might be quite off-putting if you are uncomfortable with scenes of male-on-male intimacy. I am an adult. I don't give a fuck, so it didn't bother me. Uh, but I know some people get a bit kind of ooh, and yeah, grow up. <laughs> it's fucking 2019, Jesus. Um, what really works for this movie, out with the phenomenal cinematography, this movie looks incredible and it's acted really, really well. At times, a bit tongue in cheek, which I quite enjoyed. Um, the, the central performances are brilliant. It gives you a Jalloes killer, which at first looked a bit weird, but totally worked in, in its own right towards the end, especially with the way the mystery turns out, because unlike a lot of Jalli from the 70s, this one's mystery actually follows through in what it sets out. It's well done. It makes sense. But uh, it's got incredible practical effects. The score, oh, ladies and gents, let me tell you a little something about the score. I was kind of sitting wondering where this was going to go, um, you know, what it was going to deliver. And then, you know, out of nowhere, we find out that it's M83 that's behind the score. M83 are, well, is a guy that does kind of synthwave shoegaze stuff. Um, 
and you know it's got albums and albums out there but the score in this is fucking amazing and I just got absorbed by Knife Plus Heart entirely I, I absolutely adored it so much so I've seen it twice um, and I probably watch it another time before the year is out I need to own this one on Blu-ray it has to be part of the collection it's everything I like about genre cinema you know what I mean in terms of not only the way it's executed but the specific subgenre it is ebbing and it's homages that it's paying to are all things that are passions of mine and it kind of felt like the movie was made for me and I, I loved it absolutely loved it um, I was recording last night on the horror cast and I mentioned that a great double bill for this movie would be a movie like Stranger by the Lake which is also a kind of uh, not really a horror movie but it's a kind of murder mystery um, set against the backdrop of a kind of a, a, like a, a gay nudist beach um, and I think they would pair excellent together once again if you are squeamish about male or male intimacy then you you would probably don't want to watch either but yeah I thought it was great I, it's, I, I, like genuinely another one that is threatening for top 5 posi- uh, position for me um, my top 5 is is looking almost incredibly difficult to, to narrow down now which makes me very excited to say that but yeah the top 10 this year is going to be fucking stacked and uh, the more I'm watching these movies the more I realise that once again um, European horror cinema is starting to take the mantle up and deliver some really interesting stuff inspired by its own history you know its own history in cinema which makes it uh, like all the more exciting for me that hope that the more gialli that is out there for people to watch nowadays on blu-ray and people are being exposed to it the more that hopefully what these people are doing is uh, going and making movies that are influenced by uh, you need to look no further than something like in fabric this year to see that it's right back in the center and i am very happy about it uh, i gave knife plus heart a five out of five because i think it's fucking amazing what i said in letterboxd was it was like this movie was made for me and just me no one else Beautifully shot and lovingly created by fans of the jelly subgenre, this touching and brutal movie is really one of the highlights I have seen this year. Another incredible work of European horror cinema. And ladies and gents, I stick by everything I just said about that movie. Five out of five. Whew. Right, we only have two movie reviews left to do, and we're coming off the the, the kind of the dizzying highs into another movie that I really enjoyed. Let's do Sat- Satanic Panic, which has just been released by Arrow Video, um, and comes from Fangoria, believe it or not. Um, you're gonna hear the trailer, and we're gonna discuss it right after this. Jump for the tips. In four hours, my total earnings are an expired Applebee's coupon. A sweater that smells like racism. It's exactly oh, your size. Oh. Deliver for meal basin. It's outside our zone. I'll do it. Are you ready to make an investment in your future? Yes. Are you ready to take back what you are owed? Yes. Are you ready to fully commit yourself to Satan? Yes! Who are you? I'm the pizza guy. A girl? Are you by any chance a virgin? That's a very personal question. She's a virgin. Whose power unlocks our true potential? 
have any idea what's happening here tonight? Hell Satan! They are summoning Baphomet, the big demon from hell. And when that clock strikes 12, he is gonna rip you open. Where's my virgin? I don't know what's happening. My mom and her butt buddies are booty calling Baphomet. And they're not going to stop until you're strapped to a barbed wire altar. That's bonkers. Any idea why the rich stay rich? And you stay screwed? Better health care. They are stronger than us. No virgin, no sacrifice. Let me protect you. Oh, who are you people? Death to the weak, wealth to the strong. Stop drinking. You really want to face this sober? Get that mean lady! I'm sorry! Right, let's just jump into this one. Satanic Panic, a horror comedy, like I say, released by Arrow Video just two weeks ago and um, produced by Fangoria. Directed by Chelsea Stardust. I think this is her directorial debut in the feature category. Although she's done some stuff in TV now and some shorts. Uh, It's based on the screenplay by Grady Hendrix. And story by Ted... With a surname that I cannot pronounce. Uh, The movie stars Rebecca Rogen... Uh, Arden Myron... Hayley Griffiths... Ruby Modine... AJ Bowen... Jordan Ladd... Uh, Jeff Daniel Phillips just appears in everything now. Jerry O motherfucking Connell is in this movie. Hannah Stocking, Whitney Moore, Michael Polish, other folks. Synopsis for this one is a pizza delivery girl at the end of her financial rope has to fight for her life and her tips when her last order of the night turns out to be high society Satanists in need of a virgin sacrifice. This is fucking great. This is a, like a really fun bubbly, quirky, nonsense movie. Like, absolute nonsense movie. If you are not a fan of the combinations of horror and comedy, skip Satanic Panic. This is not a movie for you. If you like more serious down the middle horror comedies, then, you know, like ones that are a bit more dry, then Satanic Panic is not the movie for you. If you like over-the-top nonsense horror comedies, Satanic Panic is definitely the movie for you. Great use of practical effects, really good use of cast, funky story, um, which towards the end felt like it was something from a Will Ferrell movie. It, like the ending of this movie is absolutely bananas in a way which made me happy. Um, and it's kind of like full on uh, committal to gross out. Oh, it amused me greatly. Uh, I, I love the, the fact they really throw themselves into the idea of Satanism and what that actually means, like, which is just silly, but it works. Um, I thought the casting was a stroke of genius, like I say in this one. Jerry O'Connell, it was weird seeing him, uh, but Jeff Daniel Phillips is great in this movie. Uh, Rebecca Romjan uh, is phenomenal, as is Arden Merton, Hayley Griffith. Uh, Ruby Modine, so you're getting a ton once again, like I said before, really good female actors in your horror movies, which I want to see, I want to see a bit of a boost there, and it works Uh, the story is silly it's ludicrous, but once again it works, it's a fun movie, and I needed that as a bit of a 
kind of palate cleanser and it placed it perfectly. I expected nothing from this. Uh, I've heard interviews with Chelsea Stardust. She seems like a really kind of like a, a fan first and foremost and it certainly came through on the viewing of this movie. Throw some pennies at this one. It does not cost a lot. You get for 15 quid on Blu-ray. It supports a burgeoning talent in the genre. Uh, and also supports Arrow Video. So it's a win-win for everyone. Um, in terms of the grade for this one, as horror comedies go, I scored this one pretty high. It got a 4 out of 5, ladies and gents. What I said about it was a fun, albeit baseline horror comedy. At times it kind of reminded me of the Netflix movie The Babysitter. It really does. If you like The Babysitter by Mitt G, you will love Satanic Panic. The gore is great and the humour, for the most, works. And the ending will either make or break it for a lot of years, but I thought it tonally worked. Arrow Video are distributing the UK, which I think is good to raise awareness with genre bands. So there you go. 4 out of 5 for Satanic Panic. So, let's jump into our last review. It was a cinema visit for me. It was time to go and check out a little movie called Countdown. Yup, that's the one about the killer app, ladies and gents. Strap yourself in for this one, because we're going to be discussing it right after this. What if an app could tell you how long before you die? Our phones have become essential. Apps keep track of our schedules, our fitness our love lives but what if an app could tell you how long i got 63 years 57 years before you die would you want to know what two days this app it's fake obviously my girlfriend said the same thing I knew that app said she was going to die. Whatever is happening to us, I think it's because of this app. I need a new phone. A new phone, new number, new service. Anything else I can help you with? No. Just a random number with a clock. It's not that scary, but it seems like it worked on YouTube clowns. This must be everyone that downloaded the app. My sister, she downloaded it. All we need to do is beat the clock by one second. Have you ever done anything like this before? No, but I've read about it a lot. What if this doesn't work? A fate much worse than death will pursue you. Come with me. It will overwhelm you until you are utterly destroyed. Wake up. Yo, are you calling my name? Right, so this is our final movie review. This is Countdown. It just made its way to the cinema in the UK, ladies and gents. Um, got released, what, last week? 
and I think it came out earlier in the States, but we're going to get into that. It's written and directed by Justin Deck, who appears to have a career in kind of shorts and music videos, and he's made the transition over to feature-length movies. The movie stars Elizabeth Lale, Jordan Calloway, Talbot, Elena Bateman, Peter Finetti, Dylan Lane, Tinich Arnold, Tom Segura, Lana McKissick, and Winters, Matt Letcher, PJ Byrne, uh, Valentine Rodriguez, and some other folks are in here. Uh, synopsis for this one is, when a nurse downloads an app that claims to predict the moment a person will die, it tells her she only has three days to live. With a clock ticking and a figure haunting her, she must find a way to save her life before time runs out. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of did a review of Polaroid on uh, one of these previous ones and I said that Polaroid was this kind of uh, wanted to be a J-horror kind of movie that was done now and it felt like late 90s movies early 2000s movies were having an influence Countdown is very much that it is like a Final Destination clone it's funny to see how prominent that is off the back of something like Truth, and, Truth or Dare uh, recently Countdown now and Polaroid all taking their cues directly from Final Destination just goes to show how like ahead of the curve that movie was or how influential it is on budgeting filmmakers and the premise is ludicrous and you could poke holes in this very 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 quickly to undo the nonsense that is actually going on here the acting is tawdry and melodramatic in places that it shouldn't be and then weirdly comedic like Tom Segura is in this and he's a comedian I don't understand the casting there and also there's a reveal of a it's like Father John played by PJ Byrne who plays this in a wholly comedic way which kind of confused me I couldn't quite get my head around what was going on and I didn't really know if it wanted to be a comedy or a horror or what it was playing towards and as a result the humour kind of fell flat for me uh, the end of this movie is dumber than a bag of rocks. I mean, really, really, really dumb. Um, but I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't entertained when watching it. It's a silly fucking movie, and part of me that pines for those late 90s horror movies thought there was merit in here somewhere. It will nowhere near touch a list of top 40 horror movies that I've seen this year. Um, but And I'm very surprised, actually, that it got a cinematic run. But yeah, I know I have read some reviews of people that really dug this movie. I'm just not one of them, ladies and gents. When it comes to my grade, I gave it a two and a half out of five, right down the middle. Um, my letterbox comments were that my theory of the late 90s, early noughties horror influences on today's cinema horror has borne more fruit. Truth or Dare brought a dumb version of Final Destination back to the big screen and in a similar, albeit more entertaining fashion, Countdown is doing the same. Relying on predictable jump scares but not without its entertaining charm, Countdown was a very dumb and marginally fun movie. I have one more movie that I watched as part of my 31. It was Hagazooza. Uh, Hagazooza will feature in a standalone review within the next two weeks with a guest of my choosing. 
Looking forward to chatting about that one. I can give away the score that I gave that one. It got a 5. And again, is a contender for top 5 of this year. Um, I kind of loved it. And you will find out why in great detail. But in order that I do not spoil the movie, try and locate a copy between now and the next two weeks before listening to that episode. Right, I'm going to take a final break. When I come back, I'm closing the show and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been bonus episode 204. This was movies number 21 through 30 of my 31 of October. Like I say, a spin-off final review of that 31st movie, Hagazooza, will be coming out in the next two weeks and it will contain spoilers, so please watch the movie before I review it. I will be joined by a guest to do that. There's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. As always, I say come across and check us out on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the feed and leave us a rating and a review. It's the best way to support us on that platform. You can check us out at Stitcher Smart Radio, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn, and of course Spotify. Visit our website, tputzcast.com. Come across and also buy some merch, like posters and pins, from tputzcast.bigcartel.com. You can join us on Facebook by going to the Facebook group page, interact with other listeners that listen to the show and love horror. That's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast. Alternatively, if you only want to know when the shows are dropping, occasionally check out a live stream on Thursday, Thursday. That is facebook.com forward slash tputzcast. And interact with myself and the Baz in the twin prongs of social media sexiness, Instagram and Twitter, both can be followed at Teapot cast. You can jump across as well and check us out on the Flick Chat app. It's social media for podcasters and listeners. Not only can you listen to the show directly through there, but you can interact on a series of managed message board posts dedicated to all the subset series and reviews we do on podcasts under the stairs. It's free for Android and iOS. Download Flick Chat or join code is TeapotCast. The podcast under the stairs will rejoin you tomorrow, dear listener, when we will launch Movie Club Challenge Teapots November 2019. Second last one for 2019. Our second last Asian horror movie. But until then, wherever you are, what the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. (laughs) 